our next special guest heals, you cannot call on for any help in this. Kyle Felt, a very good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are we? We're very well, but uh, you will know. I think I you will you, know the I answer. I thought you might, actually. You started in 2013. I'm looking forward to seeing when this person right, did. Now, And I don't want to throw you under the bus this early in the interview. I don't want you hanging up on us. But uh, we have a little competition here called Try and Stump Heels, the, uh, the former Aussie wicketkeeper, uh, and it's a tough one today. Who was the last New Zealand Warriors player to be selected to play State of Origin? Now, you've had a few guesses. Damien on the text line has had thrown up a couple of names as well. A couple. Um, but I'm hearing that uh, that the the Cowboys winger might even know the answer to this one. Yes, uh, so, yes or no, Kyle. So feel, feel free to help oh, Heels out. Well, I'm going he's, to go. He's a former Cowboy Heels. Yeah. Well, that's, he's a former Cowboy Heels. <laughs> yes. And he's a former bull rider. <laughs> like, little, um, little Jacob boy. Lilliman. Is that him? <laughs> yes. Bang. You got it. You guessed it. Yeah, well, I, th- I think um, – and, and so when did he play? Like, when was his years? Oh, yeah. You didn't... Yeah, se- 17 was his last. So it was in 2017 he was selected to play uh, to play Origin. Yes, but he was, okay. at, he was at the Cows from 03 to 08 and then the Warriors from 09 to 17. So he racked up, you know, he had, he had plenty of footy, he racked up 265 games and oh, he played 14 State of Origin. That is a so. big get, mate. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, that's a fantastic effort. All right. Uh, good morning, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. It's, um, it's a great day down here. Yeah. Right. Now, you say down here. Uh, how's oh, it course. been? Yeah, you're, you're, you're in cooler camp. climate training and uh, I think it's an, an outstanding idea. Is it turning out that way? Yeah, it's a great idea to get us away from the heat up in North Queensland. Yeah. Um, we're down in, uh, I don't even know whereabouts it is, but it's called Kyama, so um, <laughs> not very not very um, geographically minded with all this sort of stuff. But yeah, it's, um, it's nice down here. It's a beautiful spot of, of Australia. It's right on the coast and I'm really enjoying it. The weather's amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what sort of thing has Coach Payton got you doing for this week? Um, oh, it's just a normal week. We're just obviously getting away from the heat, doing all their normal training. Um, we come straight from Queanbeyan uh, down to Kiama to, I guess, stay out of the heat for the back end of the preseason. And um, when we head back, obviously, round one's in a week and a bit. So, yeah, we um, just want to stay out of the heat and really try and freshen us up. And you'll probably find that the population down there are finding it quite hot, do you? Because <laughs> isn't there a bit of a heat wave sweeping through there? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what day class is hot, but it's beautiful. <laughs> I think it's about, oh, I reckon, 26 degrees or something. It's amazing. It's great weather for us in the morning, and we're just about to head off to training too, so um, it's actually pretty cool. We're, we're excited to get going, and it's our last session for the week too. Okay. Coming off a tough year last year, um, talked that the, the squad is fitter. We know you've been through the army camp. So he, he's really mixed it up with this this week at Kiama as well. There's been something different for you to enjoy uh, to get through the rigours of pre-season, hasn't it? Yeah, and um, this pre-season has been a lot longer than um, previous ones that we've had. I think this one's been about a 14-weeker. Uh, that's definitely the longest I've had in quite a while in my, um, my tenure here. But it's been good. They've really mixed it up. It hasn't been all the same stuff uh, every week and that, which has been great. So they've really kept us on our toes and um, thrown a few curveballs at us. And um, I think they've put us in a really good mind frame and physical um, position for the start of the year. 
Has there been any sort of return to the discipline of two years ago, Kyle? You know, when, when your fitness and your defence were talked about, that you you win the you, you know you you pro, win the game early with effort and then take the result late. You, you know, is that is that discipline expected to be seen in you guys again? Yeah, that's something that we have tried to, uh, I guess, reignite in our in our whole playing squad again. And um, this preseason has been one of the driving factors in that, I guess, the defensive side of things. So it is um, it has been very difficult, obviously, to try and get back to it. But um, yeah, it's it's something that we've been focused on. It's one of our main focuses this preseason is our defence and that. And um, having a new defensive coordinator, Justin Morgan, has really, I guess, helped us reignite that. I guess energy and passion for defending again, so which is great. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and and of course you've got James Maloney joining you as well. What's he bought, mate? Is he is he a little bit of the outside of the box type thinker? <laughs> Very. He's, um, <laughs> he's he's actually he's brought a breath of fresh air up here, which is great. He's um, he's he's a winner. That's what I can say. Uh, he's, mm. He's everything he touches turns to gold, and um, it shows not only what he can do with the footy, but with the coaching mind. He sees some stuff that um, a lot of other players and that wouldn't see, and he kind of shows it on the training paddock as well. So it's it's great, and um, I know I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with our halves, and I guess really see how he can turn our attack around. Hey, just very quickly, is there a further update on Cohen Hess? But I, I know we we had we heard from Chad Townsend yesterday that. There almost certainly was an ACL. Yeah, he um, went, and got a, went and got a scan yesterday. Um, we don't know the results yet, but yeah, I'm, I'm assuming it's not looking too good. He's he's um, he's still being high spirits and that, but I've I'm not one to say because I don't really know. I'm not don't have the medical degree in that, but yeah, um, yeah it's not looking ideal. But um, like I said, he's still in high spirits, and all the boys are getting around him. Hey, Cole, what about you, Cole, outside the game? Have you taken on any sort of interests in anything, um, maybe even some college courses? or What, what are your plans? Um, I've actually been in the talks with the radio station up, in, up at home. So yes. okay. I'm just trying to yeah, jump on there and do some, I guess, radio announcing and that sort of stuff. But nothing, nothing too serious. Um, just really want to... Relax and keep my mind free for this year, and um, whatever happens after it, I'll jump into something else. So, I'm not really one to study heels. Um, okay. I've done my schooling, my 12 years of schooling. That's enough for me. Yeah, well done, well done to do all 12 too, mate. What, what about uh, you're on? You're on the cusp of a, a great milestone, 192 games, and you know, hopefully, you get those those done. And little hat trick against Canberra on the weekend is a nice way to just uh, you know rev the engine up. Are you looking forward to this one? Yeah. No, it's um, it's a good way to get the confidence building up for the year. And uh, like you said, 192 games, only got eight more to go till I hit the illustrious 200 for our club. And that's a big milestone for our club is to become a life member once you hit 200. And that's definitely something that's um, at the top of my goals list this year. And I know I'll be fighting really hard to get that that 200. Hey, I look at the, you know the papers speculating about your top 17, etc. Who excites you most amongst these young kids? And, and you've still got quite a few young ones there, and I suppose they, they come and, you know, they pick your brain because you've been around for so long. Who excites you most? Um, I reckon young Tom McKayley. He's He played 25 minutes for us on the weekend, oh, yeah. uh, and then when Colin Hess did go off, he, he kind of stood up and um, took that took that void, that spot that um, Hesse 
when when he went off. So yeah, I think he's he's one to look out for. He's he's very exciting. He's very skillful. Something we haven't had in our team for a long time as a middle forward. So um, he reminds me a bit of a, a Johnny Johnny Asiata. So um, that's going back a while now. But yeah, he's very skillful and very big body as well. So it's kind of excited to see how he goes. Yeah, he was he was great, wasn't he? I mean, he was a real revelation because he's come up to, it's not train and trial, but a, a similar sort of contract, wasn't he, at the, at the start of it? And uh, all of a sudden, with, with Cohen's unfortunate accident, I mean, he comes right into contention to be a regular starter for you guys. That's right. He came up here, for, I think it was from the Tigers. He came up and um, just, yeah, like nearly on a training trial and he's just been elevated to our top 30 squad. So that's... Um, Awesome. It's really good for him. He's obviously put in a lot of hard work in our preseason, and his two trials that he's come out and played for us, he's put his best foot forward, and um, he's starting to wreak, wreak the rewards, which is great. Mm, you guys have got a lot of eyes on you this year, haven't you? Does it feel like that? Can you feel them? Um, obviously, there's, there's a lot of outside noise in that, but we're we're just trying to um, be better than last year, and I think last year was a bit. We had a bit more eyes on us after the way we finished the year before. So, um, yeah, there's, there is always the pressure of living up to expectations and that sort of stuff. And no doubt this year is going to be the same. So um, all, all we can do is go out and play the way we play and um, try and execute what the coaches think is going to be ideal for us to get the win. And if we do that, then hopefully all the, all the points in that fall in our favour. Yeah, winning on the road was tough last year. And, I mean, we know that you and the Warriors have, you know, are always confronted with long road trips. But I suppose that's a mindset thing, mate, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, that's no excuse to anything. Um, everyone travels the games. People travel up to us. Um, people travel over to New Zealand too. So there's just something that we have to be better at. And, um, yeah, there's been a lot of talk around it and stuff that we've tried try to incorporate to our training and and that this year and um, that's one of the things we're focused on is winning the first couple I think we've got six or five out of the seven rounds are away from home start of the year so we're um, we got to obviously start our year strong and if we can do that we'll we'll get a few wins away from home. No, good yeah. call mate it's sounding quite exciting uh, to me um, what the Cowboys will produce this year. Now you personally who's your hardest opponent? A one-on-one winger? Um, that I've played against or just yeah. at the moment? Oh, at the uh, moment or one you worry about or you have to really concentrate on? Um, probably Daniel Tupu from the okay. Roosters. He's yeah. he's pushing near up two metres tall, so he's he's pretty pretty tall and athletic. He's quite fast as well, so he's someone that you always got to keep an eye on. He, he's good in the air. He's also good on, good on the ground as mm. well, so um, yeah, he's probably one of the ones that I've had a few good battles with, and um, Corey Oates, he's another good one that we've obviously come up against each other quite a lot and had some really good games against each other and uh, good battles. So, yeah, either one of those two. And then another question along the same lines, what about when you take the tap line hit-ups? Where don't you like running into those middles? (laughs) I guess the whole whole middle line is the one that you don't want to run into, (laughs) but... Someone's got to. Someone's got to do it, and unfortunately, it's either me or Murray. And 
Yeah, you just try and find the smallest one out there, which is pretty hard at the moment. <laughs> oh, the one that's just <laughs> puffing the hardest. You just, oh, he's on the back foot. Oh, yeah, that must be. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly that's a, right. That's oh. a huge part of your job, though. All right, mate. Hey, hey, great to chat. I can just tell you it's going to be 30 degrees with 67% humidity in Townsville today. You're missing that. So, hey, really appreciate your time this morning and the best of luck for a great season. And, of course, as you said, a very special milestone, hopefully, will loom in round eight for you. Mm. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate your time. Good luck, Kyle. It's 7.22 on Thursday, Feb 29. Yep, a leap year. Uh, And we thought it's appropriate that we call on our 119 test veteran to have a look at this. It's not historic, but it's a test that doesn't happen too often, does it? Uh, no, not often enough. Something like Pat Cummins hasn't played a test against New Zealand, which is quite remarkable. In New Zealand. In New Zealand, yeah. Yeah. And and yet we should be uh, emulating what rugby have got uh, and get much closer to the Bledisloe somehow. Um, so yeah, yeah, this this test is uh, eagerly anticipated by you especially, Patty. You yeah, can't I'm, wait to get it on I'm the TV. Can you? We've got it there. Yeah. So so uh, and I can see why the New Zealand team's in good shape. Uh, it's got some combinations, got some form going against that understrength South African side, but mm-hmm. they didn't didn't do themselves um, any uh, injustice. That South African side, they made New Zealand fight hard enough to get a good good red ball run into them uh, in the lead into this series. Um, Devon Conway is probably now out with a broken thumb, so so that that's a big loss for New Zealand. But um, the, you know they've got plenty to surround the likes of Kane Williamson and their bowling attack to cause Australia uh, a, a worry or two. So the, the keys to success, which is I've been asked to sort of consider and um, put my mind to, uh, are the following. I think Australia loses or finds it much, much harder to win um, test matches if they don't score more than 300 in the first innings. Um in and what that and enables is the opposition to get close to them in the in the first innings. Um, if they score less than three hundred, not even their great bowling attack would hold you to much much under um, that that three hundred score. So that the the second innings, you've still got a game a level level playing field game. New Zealand are capable of doing that. So Australia must score more than three hundred. Um, then their great bowling attack will do the rest. Um, New Zealand has to try to give Australia a run chase of 250 or more in the second innings. So these things get thought of all the way along and they don't get bogged down in the present at times, but you do stuff in the present that's going to set up five days' time um, in plenty of times in these test matches. Or it might be four days' time, but it's definitely two innings' time um, that you have to be very conscious of what you're setting up for the end of the game, but do the hard work at the start of the game. So New Zealand, you know, you need Australia uh, to to have a run chase of 250 plus. And, and we've proven ourselves not to be great at those at times. Um, and then if you're chasing last, you've got to maintain your chase to 200 probably to, to really, um, you know, get through that finish and chase down a score against the great bowling of Australia on a tiring wicket. Now, New Zealand, 
you must score 100 every inning. Someone must score 100 each innings, if at all possible, or get very close to it. And if possible, go long, go longer than 100. Um, then they have to have a pack mentality, and they're very good at this, a pack mentality to, to get enough runs between them around that 100. And they've got heaps of batsmen that can bat like that. Tommy Latham, Will Young's going to go up to the top of the order, I believe. And then you've got Williamson, Ravindra, Phillips, and and more. Blundell uh, might be wicket keeping. So uh, just to just to get enough runs on the board, and you've got to you've got to be uh, really excited and look to have fun out there against a tough bowling attack. And as the conditions get worse and worse over five days, it's not that much fun. But it's not an attack you go boundary hunting against. You, you know, you need placement. You need great running between wickets and fun together with your partner. Don't miss out on singles. Don't get hit on the pads and the thigh pad with balls going down leg side. Put them away. Put them behind backward square and get a single. Maybe push for two. That's the sort of batting I would suggest you need against this Australian attack. Could someone create boundaries against Nathan Lyon as he comes into the attack? I think you can't do that unless you're established in your innings. That New Zealanders get two established batsmen in a partnership and Lino's coming on, take it to him and find some safe areas of the ground that you might be able to do that to. I think that could be an idea that they've discussed. Um, and then New Zealand, your bowling consistency has to be immediate. When you come into the attack, there's no warm-ups. You can't bowl short and wide down leg side because the likes of Travis Head, Mitch Marsh, Usman Khawaja, the, the Steve Smith in the mood he's in will just put you away and you'll never be allowed into the match. So bowling consistent, consistency has to be immediate. Australia loves to hit the ball and they love to entertain. So get the ball away from them. Make them reach for it. Don't give them anything too easy in their zones. Maybe you have to bowl straight at the pads of Travis Head, not wide of off where he loves to slash away. So those sorts of plans have to be very definite and executed immediately, as I said. Set relevant fields for different plans and stick to them. They might be wide plans at times, then we're going to change. We're going to bowl a straight plan to this bloke, maybe a short plan in memory of Neil Wagner who uh, had great success or pretty good success against Australia with aggressive tactics. So they need to be really good. They need to vary it up. You can't just play one-dimensional cricket against Australia and and have some fun. Challenge yourselves to challenge Australia. All right. Well, Jack, I was just sending me a, a screenshot of a very, very green wicket in Wellington. Uh, Pat Cummins was asked about this green pitch yesterday. Of course, it's a live option. You know, coming from Australia, it's rare to turn on the TV and see a, a green wicket that looks like the turf here. But over here, it's pretty normal. Um, but I don't think it's as scary as perhaps what it looks. So, well, we'll soon see because they're due to start in just over a half an hour. They haven't made the uh, toss yet as far as I know. Um, one thing that uh, Cummins, who will be playing, as he said, his, uh, his first test in New Zealand, which seems remarkable, doesn't it? And it's a little bit sad. I mean, I'd love to play them a lot more often. But uh, he, he it, has he enjoyed his time off being captain? Because we know Mitch Marsh is the T20 skipper. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it, actually. Um, yeah, with, with Marsh in and Wadey uh, taking out the reins, I felt like I could just be a player. So, um away from the ground as well. Just uh, that space outside of the game was nice for a couple of weeks. 
And as Heels also mentioned, no Neil Wagner, he's he's retired. So does that you, you knew what you were going to get from Wagner? Uh, what's that done to the Aussie plans? Yeah, I, I know it was kind of a little bit of short ball work in the nets from all of us, knowing that's his normal go-to. So. Um, yeah, shift a few of our plans, but he's been a wonderful competitor whenever we've played him over the years. When we talked to Ian Smith through the week, he said, I'd like a green wicket that nibbles around and doesn't bounce very high. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the surface feels like. If you get a green wicket at Brisbane, it's rock hard underneath it and it flies. Perth, same. New Zealand, not so. There's a bit of give in the service, and it, he might get the wicket they, they really need. Now, can the toss go in the favour of New Zealand? So they're bowling at Australia, nibbling it around all day when Australians find it very hard to, to play fluently. Um, we'll look. And, and Paddy Cummins sort of says and suggested that if it looks like the description that he's just given, he will probably bowl as well. All right, Australia's tour of New Zealand. It's live on SENQ, 6.93am, and on, of course, on the SEN app, Brisbane's home of sport. We'll head live to the first test uh, straight after the show this morning at the Basin Reserve in Wellington from 9 o'clock. We'll be back. Hey, What's wrong with Wayne Williamson? Well... <laughs> Get some badges, rain. You got about another five minutes sleeping. I <laughs> know oh, he's, he's up there. You would have been fencing already, wouldn't you, this morning? Well, I'm, I'm, I've had to pull over. I'm halfway to the farm now, and yep. I've had to pull over to accommodate this call. So, you know. <laughs> so on, when on, the boys. great Paddy Welsh, when the great Paddy Welsh uh, beckons, I come. That's as simple as it is. Hey, just very quickly, and we'll get to Vegas and, you know, Bronx and all that sort of thing very shortly, but we just had Kyle Felt on. He's eight shy of his 200th. And, you know, one team player, you, of course, played 250-odd for the Bronx, and he said he, he's really looking forward to that because he becomes a life member and it's something that he's really, really proud of. It's a big milestone for a footballer, isn't it, 200 games? It, it is, Paddy, but it's also when you do it at one club, um, yeah, it's it's a just reward for people who are loyal. I think, um, and okay, um, a lot of players jump around clubs in the way things are now, but to to have played at a club where you played that many games and they afford you the the honour that it is to be a, a you know a life member of anything, uh, it's massive. And it's one of the things I'm like like I was lucky with my footy career and fell into a good era with a good club and all the rest. But but to have played that long, but then get then get a life membership. It's something you get to carry with the, with the rest of your life. It's one of the, it's one of those. It's a very tangible thing, but it's not thing that players think about as much anymore. Um, but it's a, it's, it's a just reward for loyalty, which um, never gets old, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and durability too, mate. Um, but can you remember round one, which we're going into? We'll talk about Vegas. Can you remember the emotions that'll be swirling around your mind and body in the lead up to every se- season? Yeah. Well, what happens is. The heels, you, you just hope that you haven't lost it. That yeah. somehow between the last year and this year, <laughs> yeah. you, you haven't forgotten how to play. And honestly, that's how it becomes. You sort of think, you know, when it's when it's because you and heels, you played high level sport. You know what it is. Like every game counts. Every game's important. Every time you got to every time you go out there, you've got to perform. Mm. Um, and that's the unrelenting nature of professional sport. Um, and the thing that always worried me was, you know, is it. You know, is is this the year where it's all going to become too hard and you start to lose it and you form, you know, the the god of form which comes and goes and we don't know why and where. Um, is is this? Am I going to get visited this year and it's not going to be? I'm not going to be able to play properly. So I always used to worry enormously about it, and, and I love getting into the season where you know, and you start to 
go to work, go back to work if you like, and it takes yeah. the uncertainty out of it, and you're just doing what you do. All right, mate. Well, you've you know we've got teams on the ground over in Vegas. What's your take on it? The the NRL are committed long term. They're in for five years minimum. Um, how how do you how do you t- what's your take on Vegas? Well, Paddy, I think if you if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. So if we don't attempt to do new things, well, well where will we be? We'll just yeah. be where we are. So so to move forward is is always the key. Now, I don't think that anyone's unrealistic enough at the NRL. I certainly hope they're not. I mean, there's been a lot of bluster made about this and all the rest of it. But the reality is, the, the, the absolute reality is, we're, we're like, a, an, like a, a pinprick in an ocean in terms of Americans and the way they think about sport. But if we don't take it to them and if we don't present it, and, and you know, we might be chipping away at this. Like, if, if they're fair income, I know they're talking about five years. We're going to take a lot longer than five years to introduce our sport to America and then and then try to garner a little bit of favour from that market. And as Peter Volandis keeps pointing out, you don't need a heap of it. Um, but if, if this is to work, I don't think anyone's under the illusion that us going over there. Now, I think the unintended positive consequence of this is is how much we're talking about here in Australia. Yeah. It might not be that big to Americans that we're over there in Vegas and playing all the rest. But gee, it's a, it's a big thing in Australia. And we're talking about league in a much bigger and broader way than we otherwise would have been at the start of a season. So I think in that way, it's been a, a positive thing. I, I love the fact that they, they have this idea that our game can, you know, and having played it my whole life and very, very loyal league man, I, I love our sport and, I, and, I, and I'd love to see it grow to be a, a wider thing than, say, Australia, England, New Zealand. Uh, and I think the only way that you do that is to do things like this. But the problem is, of course, Paddy, as you'd understand, uh, it's very, very expensive to do it. You have to have patience, and that means um, all the different parties that are involved have to have, to have that same patience, particularly the ones who are stumping up the cash. Um, so, so this is a long process, but I love that they've started it. I hope we've got the gumption to continue it. Mm. It's very expensive to believe in your sport, that's for sure. And AFL have proven that too. That the amount of money they've spent in the last ten years, you know, building new franchises and developing their games, unbelievable. So it's good that league's into it. Um, well, know- Hills, that's Hills, The AFL are a good example. Um, like if you look at the Oz Kick program and all the rest of it, and when they tried to enter markets that traditionally rugby league, they've been successful because they backed it with the money that are required, yeah. the investment that's required. But then they they put together with that patience, patience to understand, because the way to to enter a new market with a sport is to get kids involved and interested in all the rest of it, and that's a generational thing. So you've got to be in there, like minimum 20 years, in my mind, to, to, to get one generation to look at it and then another generation that actually might do something about it. So it's not a, it's not a slow or, or inexpensive process. Um, but the rewards for that patience um, are enormous. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, fingers crossed, mate. Yeah. Now, the Broncos look like they've got everything covered and they've even got a bit of depth in their bench, which is a different story to three years ago. Well, that's the difference with the club. I did a one-on-one with Kevy. Um, you'd have seen it because it was on Channel Seven Hills. Um, <laughs> we, um, I know you watch Paddy, but and, and, and Paddy, you would you would have been no doubt impressed with how far my journalistic capability has come. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm still I'm still asking and answering the questions for for the talent, but you know. <laughs> Yes, those razor, razor sharp interviewing skills. I know I was across oh, it. I was across know. it. 
<laughs> no, um, and, and and this is what it, it occurred to me: the, the real difference with the Broncos now, and where you know Kevin and his, and no doubt all the people who are behind Kevin as well, where they're to be congratulated, is they've made us a club of choice again. And that was always that was always the Broncos thing. You know, we, we didn't have to, you know, any of the good kids that were coming through Queensland, um, we'd get them because they, you know, they wanted to come to the Broncos because we were that club. Well, we're that club again now. And, and you can, you know, the, the Reese Walsh's and so on Cobos of this world and Payne Haas's are, are a huge part of that because they're, they're you know, marquee players who, who young players aspire to to be and look up to. And so that means that, that people want to be at our club. So, and, you know, and talking to Kevin the other day, so we're seeing, all, we're seeing the, the benefit of that right now. But the, the further benefit that you allude to here is in behind that, is a is a like a team of young players that we haven't even heard of yet, who are going to be that next generation mm-hmm. of stars that are at our club, not somebody else's club. That's what happened in those years that we we're in the wilderness. Uh, there was there was probably three or four, maybe even five seasons of those young players who were coming along who went to other places yeah. and didn't come to us. But now in the in the last three or four years, and this is the thing, this thing's been building for a bit. Yeah, yeah, we had the, that great success last year, and, and you know went with an into the grand final victory. Um, but building behind the scenes has been um, this recruitment uh, and retention process, which has got back to what the Bronx always had. And so, therefore, we have that depth. And if we get some injuries and different different things this year, we're going to have something to go to. And and um, likely as not, we'll unearth. Um, the next Selwyn Cobo or, or Reese Walsh, and, and that's oh. that's when you get your club back on a long-term successful sort of um, trajectory. Look at you go venturing two backs. You hate backline players. You hate them. <laughs> I know, but <laughs> I know, I know, Paddy. But I'm trying to, I'm, like, I'm trying to broaden my horizons. Sort of, you know. Anyway, uh, well, next next, it's not in, it's not working. Next interview you do, you'll be back to Piacura by, you know, <laughs> within five minutes. But he yeah, he apparently that. is looking fantastic and. Everyone must be pleased that medial ligament uh, hasn't been too damning. Yeah, no, I mean this is this is the thing about um, trials and pre-season and all the things that that go on. Um, it's it's a heart and a mouth sort of time where you hope that you just get you get because funnily enough, you know a lot of injuries happen at this point in time because you're not used to week in week out playing. But somehow once you once you get into the groove, you can get past the first couple of rounds. Generally speaking, you know, barring obviously. Um, cataclysmic events generally speaking you get into a bit of a groove mm. um and injury seems to leave you alone but you've got it you've got to get over the hump of the early part of the season so that's what coaches worry about this time of year and you know um and already there's been a, a few injuries particularly uh, uh, with the dolphins uh, uh, tommy gilbert and cohen hess uh... yeah tommy gilbert and yeah yeah and then cohen hess at the cowboys those are nightmare that's a that's a nightmare scenario and the amount of times you see that in pre-season games um and i think it's you just don't have that uh the durability that you get from five or six rounds of footy under your belt and then suddenly you know you're used to the impacts again your body's used to it and all that somehow that seems to protect you a bit from those injuries yeah all right mate hey great to catch up we've got to get to a break but uh, as usual love your thoughts and uh we may even pat- tap your brain uh, during this season we love having you on Oh, Paddy, I'm always available. You know that. <laughs> it's a big first game in the Roosters Broncos, so uh, we might even talk to you next week. Webby. All right, mate. Thanks, Webby. Righto. Thanks, Ben. See you. <laughs> on this Thursday, Feb 29, Tire Power's hot summer sale continues on big brand tyres now at all stores with tyrepower.com.au. If you're looking for height, hire it right. Visit heightforhire.com.au. Jacko's in the studio uh, with uh, an update. 
Couple of games in the FA Cup this morning, Paddy. Uh, Manchester United, they're through to the quarterfinals with a 1-0 win over Nottingham Forest. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, they knocked Brighton out of the FA Cup mm. with a 1-0 win. And uh, in a game that's just wrapping up, Liverpool lead 3-0 over Southampton, which is going to set up... Uh, the classic old rivals, Manchester United versus Liverpool in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. That's mm-hmm. a promoter's dream for them over there. Uh, in the AFL preseason series, there was one game overnight and the Demons put on a clinic against the Blues. They won 15-11-101 to the Blues, 10-3-63. Max Gorn um, yeah, blitzed them, looked apparently. like he's in career best form um, straight out of the gate. He was unbelievable last yeah. night, dominated in the ruck, kicked a couple goals. And we've got Carlton first up, haven't we? And we've got Carlton first up. Um, the one thing that the Blues will be able to take out of that game is that they're key talls, uh, Charlie Kerno and Harry Mackay, with limited opportunities, both kick three goals each. So mm-hmm. uh, they they will be dangerous and they will be a handful in nine days' time. The rest the was pretty ordinary though, wasn't it? They were quite clunky with the ball. They were very clunky with the ball, but then again, you you can't, you know, put too much focus on these preseason games, but they will want an improvement, Carlton. And we're playing them here, aren't we? We're playing them at the Gabba. And the crowd won't turn up. Friday night. We've got to get our crowd there. I think that uh, most of the tickets are actually going to be allocated for Lions fans this time, so (laughs) we won't won't rock up and have, you know, 16,000 Southerners. uh, Thought we are at Icon. It, it was <laughs> it was incredible that um, that game, the preliminary final last year, when all the Lions boys are out there, uh, you know, practicing their set shots before the game, and they're getting booed mercilessly <laughs> by fourteen thousand fans. And you're going, what has gone on here? Mm. Uh, and tonight in the AFL Community Series, we've got the Swans and the Lions. That's taking place at the Blacktown International Sports Park, and you can hear that live on SENQ cool. six ninety three Brisbane's home of sport from six pm tonight, Paddy. Is there nothing we don't cover? No. I don't think there is. <laughs> and the, the NBL play-ins as well. I mm. thought we might. The Sydney Kings are out, the two-time defending champs. The uh, breakers the knocked breakers. them off. Yeah. 83-76. Uh, Parker Jackson Cartwright with 34 points. And uh, the breakers now play the Hawks because... Uh, uh, Hawks lost. Yeah. Yeah. Hawks, uh, Hawks got beaten, but they got the second chance, don't they? After losing to the Tassie Jack Jumpers mm. last night, so they're still alive. The and, Jack Jumpers and Pippo's still here. There's Scotty Pippen, Pippen and Horace there. Grant. What are they living here? Are they taking up residence? They're doing the uh, no ball speaking tour. Okay, uh, the three of them. <laughs> so they've been in Melbourne. They've been in Tassie. I don't think they're making a stop in Brizzy, but it's unbelievable. Uh, okay, no, Tay Tay. They've done. They've done a Tay Tay on us. On us. Mm. We've got some breaking news about Tato. We might play a little Ooh. later on. <laughs> it's, it's seven. It's seven fifty-two. Uh, we'll take a break and be back with more. Just repeating the news that New Zealand have won the toss and have sent Australia in at Wellington.